0: Welcome to Backstory, the show that explores the history behind the headlines. I'm Ed Ayers. And I'm Joanne Freeman. If you're new to the podcast, each week, along with our colleagues, Brian Ballow and Nathan Connolly, we explore a different aspect of American history. Now, we're going to start the show with something very tiny.
1: In one of these, she called them the nutshell studies of unexplained death. And in one of the nutshells, there's a there's a woman who is drowned in a bathtub in a poor boarding house room.
0: This is author and journalist Rachel Monroe.
1: You know, you might assume looking at it on the surface, oh, this woman, maybe she um, it was a drug overdose and she drowned in the bathtub. But if you look at it more closely, there are there are clues that could lead you to believe that actually this looked like an overdose, but was actually a murder.
0: The nutshell studies of unexplained death were miniature models made in the 1940s by a fascinating little-known woman named Frances Glessner Lee.
1: The idea was to train police officers to not, not make assumptions and to, and to look for those details that would reveal what had actually happened.
0: Lee had been interested in the work of miniatures for some time. But it took a while for her to blend this hobby with her interest in murder.
1: She's a really fascinating and a difficult woman. She grew up, uh, she was born in the, the tail end of the 19th century, and she grew up in a very wealthy family in Chicago. She was expected to be a society woman. So she got married about when she was, I believe she was 20, and was expected to just be a wife and a mother and, you know, maybe find a charitable cause that she would give benefits for, but to mostly lead a domestic life. And and she did that for a long time. But in midlife, um, when she came into the bulk of her inheritance, she found a field that became pretty much the passion that defined the rest of her life, which was what was then known as legal medicine. It's it's close to what we would now call forensic science, basically the scientific investigation of crimes or the use of scientific methods to, to investigate crimes.
0: So basically, as you just suggested, she's, she's freed because she comes into her inheritance, which, which gives her the freedom to investigate and, and find something that interests her. But the, the question, the obvious question to ask here is, how did she find her way to murder? And I guess, as you said, what we would now call forensic science, how, how did she come across that?
1: Well, it's interesting to think about because she, you know, if she had had her way, she probably would have gone to school for nursing. She, Her family considered that inappropriate for a woman to get an education in that way. And so instead she, but she did have this preoccupation with the body, with science, with how the body worked or, or failed to work. And so I think that was part of her fascination. She also became friends, she was family friends with this uh, really colorful character named George McGrath, who was the medical examiner for Boston at the time. And he was this very flashy guy. And she, Frances Glessner-Lee and McGrath, just really hit it off. And he would tell her all these wild stories about autopsies he'd done, cases he'd investigate. And she would just listen raptly and find it incredibly fascinating.
0: <laughs> now, I would assume, so I would assume that this, world or this realm and this field is is probably pretty male at this point. So is it is this particular person did he smooth her transition or her her comfort in easing her way into that kind of world?
1: Yeah, very much so because this was um, at the time a really a new and emerging field the the idea that you would use science and medicine to investigate suspicious deaths. Most counties in the United States were if somebody died, the person who would investigate the death would be a coroner, and coroners often had no medical training at all It was an elected position, it might just be you know the local somebody like the local mailman or something um and so the idea that you needed to investigate deaths scientifically was really was new, so it was this emerging field and McGrath was really key. The other big help of course, was her money and she um put it to good use she ended up founding donating the money that would establish a department of legal medicine at harvard which was the first department of legal medicine in the united states and i, I she ran into some difficulties there because i think she had a different idea of maybe what her role would be than the than the university did she really wanted to be hands on she gave them these like very elaborate lists of experiments she wanted them to do. She had a lot of suggestions of programs for study. She wanted to host events and invite people to lectures. The university clearly had kind of hoped she was a nice old lady who was just going to give them money and get out of the way. And that was really very much not her personality.
0: Now, let me ask, I know at some point she becomes interested in miniatures. So maybe first describe what miniatures means. I mean, I gather it was a real fad.
1: Yeah, you have um, just some really gorgeous examples in the early early 20th century of um, dollhouses, I guess is what they would be called often. Um, It's it's hard not to call them dollhouses because they're little small houses often with dolls in them. But um, (laughs) Francis Glessnerly found that an insulting and diminishing term. So I try to avoid using it. But um, it's just these small models of domestic scenes. And so a lot of the ones that were made in the early 20th century are more traditional than the ones that Francis Glessner Lee ended up making. So you had um, wealthy women making these gorgeous elaborate palaces, kind of fairy palaces um, with hundreds of rooms and, and they could get really elaborate, you know, with like real one running hot and cold running water. Some of them had, or like tiny elevators, But Frances Lee took it in a different direction. She did make these very beautiful, precise, miniature rooms. She had a carpenter who worked with her full time on them. And they have all the little details, you know, like the tiny cans of soup and tiny mouse traps. But every single one has within it a dead doll. The idea was that she wanted to use these models to train police officers in how to scientifically investigate a crime scene. So each of the dolls was dead either through uh, murder accident or suicide or natural causes. And there were clues, tiny little clues embedded in each of the models that could help you. If you studied it properly with the correct attention, you could figure out what happened, but often it wasn't necess- the scene wasn't necessarily what it appeared on first glance so she was very concerned that police officers without this training in scientific investigation would just look at a scene and go based on their intuition which of course would involve their their biases their stereotypes so, Rachel,
0: I gather that you have some letters dating back to January of 1944 when Lee was first coming up with the idea for her models. Could you read some of that for us?
1: Yeah. So she at this point, she's collaborating with and, and corresponding with the head of the legal medicine department at Harvard. um, uh, just trying to get some some thoughts from him about how some potential cases that she might make models from. So this is from her letter. You will note from the above that I have in prospect or completed two hangings, two shootings, two assault with blunt weapon, one natural cause, one drowning, one found dead, one arson. I do not know yet how that gentleman was killed. I'm open to suggestions. And one poison. I need more traffic accidents. Also, another shooting or two, a stabbing, more poisonings, carbon monoxide, and a couple puzzling found deads. Would a couple of drownings be possible, or are drowned bodies too damaged and disfigured for representation?
0: Rachel says these letters are indicative of the excitement and enthusiasm Lee had for a subject matter that's so, well, morbid. Today, the nutshells belong to the Maryland Medical Examiner, but Rachel found a way to see them in person.
1: You know, I love small things, and I kind of also love macabre things. So I was like, I have to see these. They sound incredible. And they really are. They're so strange because they are at once totally cute and totally sinister. You can see the the really precise care that she has put into them. Um, There are things like uh, there'll be a little wall calendar, like a tiny little wall calendar on the wall. And every month, every month is in there, like every day, every month the tiny little mousetrap like actually w- works the it'll snap closed. But then the, and the dolls that are in them that are dead. I mean, it's some, some of them are quite gruesome. Like the, the, she painted their faces. Some of them, the, the like discoloration that would indicate how long they have been dead for. Sometimes there are, you know, wounds. But they're just really fascinating. And the other thing that's fascinating about them is that each of them is this, this kind of puzzle of what really happened, but the solutions are not public. There are a few of them who uh, the the kind of answer of like what really happened. Three or four of them have have been made public, but they're still actually in use. Um, there are still seminars that happen every year where where police officers come and, and use them as a training tool. So this. The secret can't get out. So you act, so it's, it's actually, in some ways, a really frustrating experience because you look at them and you're looking at this scene and you're there's one that's the largest one is a, called a three-room dwelling. And it's a cute little suburban house, charming little kitchen, but there's three dead dolls in it, a mom a, ba- a mom, a father, and a baby. And they're all really bloody. And you look at it and you're trying to figure out, you know, is this a murder-suicide was there and... Uh, Did somebody break in? And you really want that closure, I think, that you're used to finding at the end of murder mystery books or murder mystery TV shows. And it's not like you don't know. It's not there. So it is, which I think in some ways prolongs the fascination.